A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome, everyone, to the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. You see, whilst the others are watching the latest wrestling, we're watching the not-quite-greatest wrestling. We are going back in our Ica Pro Power DeLorean to a time where everything was a little bit different, and as you are about to discover, relatively the same as well. And who be we? I be Fake Geordie and radio presenter Tom Campbell, at Tom Campbell on Twitter, and I be joined by Head Pen and the man who is typed with his own fair hands 99% of the best things on 99% of Cultaholic, it's Justin Henry! Justin! One. Well, now I'm curious. That... Well, na- thank you. Thank you. This isn't the second time they've recorded this. Yes, um, we had a little production snafu earlier, so this is our second go around. My computer hours... caught fire. Almost quite literally. Literally caught fire. Was it literal, or or am I being too literal when well, I ask that question? Metaphorical for truth but we live in a world of not truth so my computer yes. caught fire how the Nothing devil are hyperbole. you justin are you all good sir uh, yes i am doing wonderful um coming on the heels of what i thought was a pretty good SummerSlam pay-per-view we are recording this monday approximately 90 minutes before monday night before the modern day monday night raw product it, it is a i call it a raw full evening but that rhymes with awful that would be a good way to describe this first show that we'll be uh <laughs> dis- discussing here rawful well look if you want to hear about what happened at nxt takeover and SummerSlam, then uh, you can watch the what happened when videos on cultaholic youtube you can listen to the podcast that will feature matthew greg you can watch them <laughs> but you're not here for that you're here to find out what <laughs> happened in the past so that's what we're going to do justin take us back in the delorean where are we today we are still in the manhattan center it is march 1st 1993 it is episode seven of monday night raw a live episode with a taped episode to follow next week but we are live for this week and we are joined by um vince mcmahon macho man randy savage and good news bad news time it is not the, the good news is it is not rob bartlett on commentary oh no 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 so who is it? Is it Bobby Heenan? Is it Gorilla Monsoon? The debut of Jim Ross? Oh no no no! Anybody it would is have been better. Elvis Presley. Why? 
Why? Why? Why? Why? Why? Why? Why? Why? Why? Why? Why did everybody decide? Do you know what, Rob Bartlett? You did the good impression of Elvis. So you're going to do it for a whole week and you're going to come out dressed as Elvis and talk like Elvis and we're going to pretend you're Elvis. Why was why was this thing? I don't understand. Yes, Rob Bartlett was Elvis for this entire episode, completely in character. And um, my first thought was, well, I did write in my notes, kill me. <laughs> but but um, I, I do have to ask, even though I'm happy that WWE is alive today, and I'm grateful for all of the good stuff that they've given us for the last quarter century, how how in the hell was the federal government unable to get unable to secure a conviction in 1994? If they couldn't prove that WWE had a drug problem, <laughs> all they had to do was show this episode to the jury, and Vince would have been put away for a long time. Oh my days! <laughs> there is some horrifying truth. To, to what you say there it's this is one of the i i don't know whether this is vince mcmahon desperately trying to help rob bartlett find his place in the sun which i think it could be he should have shot him into the sun <laughs> i kind of wish he had shot him into the sun i'll be perfectly honest but um this was this was the, the this this was bleak this was elvis presley aka rob bartlett on commentary for an entire week on monday night raw but i, I say that this was a pretty terrible sign of the times. How we kick off Raw was a pretty alarming sign of the times. You see, we've we've just I know we don't we don't dabble in the present, but here's a little present. We've just come off SummerSlam which featured AJ Styles, a technical supremo WWE champion defending his championship against a man of Samoan heritage in a really weird part on the card. Let's go back to 1993, where Bret the Hitman Hart, a technically proficient WWE champion, is defending his WWE championship against a man of Samoan heritage in a really weird part of the card. So what you're telling me is four years from now, AJ Styles is going to be screwed over in his hometown. And six years from now, Samoa Joe will be wearing a thong and sticking his ass in people's faces. And Hulk Hogan will beat him in 60 seconds. What a time to be alive. <laughs> yes, it, our opening match was Bret the Hitman Hardy, as Tom noted, the reigning WWE champion. Five weeks out from his big WrestleMania title defense against Yokozuna, taking on a brother of a different sort in Head Shrinker Fatu. I believe at this point, Bret was working a lot of house show matches with Bam Bam Bigelow and took this match with Fatu as a way to get him prepared to wrestle a bigger opponent. Obviously, they're not the size of Yokozuna. He was kind of game-planning for it, so to speak, by getting used to working with heavyweight guys. I guess you could say working the kinks out of what he would do at WrestleMania, basically just getting just mental and physical preparation. And Fatu is a hell of a worker, hell of a performer for a man his size, even as Rikishi he was. So I'm not opposed to this match. But man, did the commentary... commentary did, do no favors for this match whatsoever. Bret Hart and I initially thought, oh, when this came up, I thought that's cool. And then when it was announced for the WWF Championship, I was left a little bit <laughs> spellbound. Like, why, why, why is this a match that's happening for the WWF Championship? If you're the right very list weird of... <laughs> state of affairs, you, you realize that Fatu was in the six-way match at Armageddon 2000, the Hell in a Cell for, for Kurt Angle's world title. If you pose the question. Name everyone that has faced Bret Hart and Kurt Angle in a world title match. 
Fatu would not have been on your list, even this though he will should be. be the the last time that Fatu fights for the WWF Championship until nineteen nineteen. 2000, 2000. Oh, until 2000. Yes, yeah, sorry, it's until 2000. Yeah, when... I don't call Mickey a difference Fatu getting a shot at any point. Or the Sultan. Yeah, distinct lack of any of those getting a shot, bless him. It took bearing his bottom and dancing around with Brian Christopher and Scott Taylor for him to find his niche. Actually, and that's you... the thing about wrestling. You never know where your niche is until you stumble upon it one day. When you think about it, like, Fatu has been this sort of divine constant in, like, 90s wrestling. Because you think about this. He was in the ring with WWF champion Bret Hart. After this, in different guises, he would feud with Triple H, with The Rock, mm-hmm. with Steve Austin, and be in a title match with Kurt Angle and The Undertaker. And Undertaker would throw him off the top of a steel cage. He's a bit of a divine constant, isn't he? He's like the thong-wearing Forrest Gump of wrestling. He's the- My favorite Rikishi stat ever is that in a one-year stretch, he got to have Vince McMahon, Eric Bischoff, and Paul Heyman's faces all in his ass. <laughs> that is quite the auspicious achievement by one far too. Now, he's um, had a career I, like nobody else. I, uh, I took you off track. I do apologize. You were going to talk about the commentary because I know both uh, you and I have umbrage to take with the commentary. Uh, yes. Um, see, Bret Hart is the world champion of what Invincible Man believes to be the greatest wrestling company in the entire world or sports entertainment empire in the, the entire world. So you should be emphasizing the importance of the champion. And keep in mind, we are five weeks away from the landmark show of the year, the flagship show, WrestleMania 9. So you should be emphasizing your champion for all he is worth. They didn't do that with this match. Instead, they focused on Rob Bartlett as Elvis. Once in a while, making reference to what was going on in the match, Bartlett would have to comment in character as though he were Elvis on what was happening in the match. And that would sidetrack Vince and Savage, who would have to comment on what Bartlett said as Elvis. And it is a death spiral like no other. They can't ever get on the same page and actually focus on Bret Hart and the relevance of him being champion. This, keep in mind, this is a world title match. If Fatu wins, we have a new world champion. This can change the landscape of WrestleMania. Yes, because... Because if Fatu is all of a sudden facing Yokozuna, which I kind of want to see that match. I believe, I believe they're both Anawais, are they not? They are indeed. But one, no, surely not, because one's Japanese, apparently. Ah, right, right, right. You're correct. And, and Fatu, as was, as was revealed later, was actually Middle Eastern. Oh, really? Sultan, so, yes. Oh, of course, yes, you're right. I completely agree with you when you talk about the commentary. I thought it was this was possibly some of the worst ever. I thought it was great when... Um, Bret Hart, who I should note, had this bizarre cut on his nose when he came into the ring. It was as if he was eating barbecue wings before the match and got a big dollop of barbecue right across his, his schnozzola there. Again, like I, you could have told a great story with that. And, and Bret does bleed during the course of the match. It does it does get cut open. And it's obviously a fresh wound from probably the weekend house show loop. At some point, he, he probably just busted open hard way. And it does bleed during the match. And you actually have... You actually have a, a basis for a little bit of drama here, but but no, it's all about Rob Barlett as Elvis. 
I don't get why they went from ignoring this guy to making him such a focal point. And when, and when Alf is talking to a shrunken head at ringside, Barla says, sometimes I talk like that to little Elvis, which is a nice penile joke for 1993 WBF. Hey, Vince wanted edgy, didn't he? Here's a line I didn't get from the commentary. Okay. Vince said, hey, Elvis, we haven't seen you around lately. And Rob Bartlett said, yeah, well, uh, I've been abducted by uh, space aliens. And, uh, uh, and they don't know the meaning of the word buffet. And then Randy Savage pipes up with, that could happen to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, which made me think maybe, maybe Savage is on a delay. <laughs> and all throughout the night, Savage is going to answer the question before with the question <laughs> with the question after. Do you know how Savage would map out his matches and he would get these three and a half, four star, four and a half star gems out of same, even people that maybe you wouldn't think would have great matches necessarily, but because Savage took the time to, you know, blueprint everything that he he could achieve this level of greatness. There was no game planning for Rob Bartlett and Vince McMahon. Unless he wrote <laughs> a script and nobody that, stuck to it. But he yeah, stuck that, to his part following. of the script deliberately. Savage can only do so much when his opponent isn't doing or actually the person he's working with isn't on the same page. And you almost feel bad for Savage here. Although I felt even worse from him when they were talking about the uh, Elvis Presley and Priscilla Presley split, and Savage said, that can happen to anybody too. <laughs> At least that lie made sense. Yes, contextually, although it, 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 it's a goddamn depressing line. <laughs> Gosh. Uh, so we have Savage and Fatu in our opening match for the WWF Brent, Brent Championship. Fatu. The fate of the WrestleMania main event is in the opening match on Monday Night Raw whilst we are coming to terms with Elvis Presley doing commentary. Now, that said, this was a pretty enjoyable match if you could just ignore the background noise. They did the awesome spot where Brett runs off the ropes, Fatu ducks ahead a little bit, and Brett slams him face first on the mat, which Fatu promptly no-sells by springing up and super kicking him right in the mush. I've always loved that spot. I think Umaga would do that as well. The old, you, you can't hurt a Samoan's head spot. So here's a thrust kick right to the mush. I quite enjoy um, TK Cooper, who currently works the scene. Uh, he's <laughs> been in the Northeast a fair bit, and I've uh, got to meet him. What a lovely boy. What a lovely <laughs> man. And he does that, you, that headbutt Samoan thing so well, because inevitably <laughs> during the match... Somebody will punch him in the face and he will just no sell it and stand there. And the whole crowd will know what's coming and they'll start chanting, You effed up, you effed up. And then all together we all shout, I'm Samoan. And then he just headbutts the guy. <laughs> it's a wonderful spot that you always know is coming, but it's always a treat to see. It, it is one of the great and now perhaps somewhat frowned upon tropes and wrestling. You shouldn't headbutt um, Samoans, the junkyard dog. Or any wrestler that is perceived to be of what's the most politically critical? Limited what's intelligence. The... Yes, I was going to say because I, I think Eugene and Hacksaw Jim Duggan would do the "you can't headbutt me" spot, and the opponent would would always sell it as though he just headbutted the boulder. Because the Bobby idea had... was they were they were stupid and they had a thick skull that stopped yes. thoughts getting through. The skull compensated for a lack of brain matter. Science. So uh, Brett's nose is just oozing blood. As Samu comes down halfway through the match, I should point out at this point that Savage is trying to get over the R-S-P-E-C-T phrase for Brett, catchphrase, because Brett around this time had a music video set to the Aretha Franklin song of the same name. 
and that's what you're in because Aretha just passed away recently. Yes, that's quite appropriate that we get to talk about um, Bret Hart being the wrestler of the 90s, having an Aretha Franklin soundtrack. He didn't just have that. He had a Tom Petty song later on, which was making some noise. The Tom Petty one is 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 a slight like I've got no no issue with Aretha Franklin at like what what an incredible singer that inspired mm-hmm. an entire generation of singers and it's a it's a once in a lifetime moment to live in the same time as someone like an Aretha Franklin. But what I would say is, if you are building a guy to be the leader of this new generation, you, that song doesn't scream hip and trendy. To me, I mean, it's it's still a great song today, which is which is nice. I would have surely felt there surely could have been something else they could have done for Brett that was more of the time. Even if now it would have looked a bit tacky, it just it just seems Aretha singing respect seems yeah, a bit look, out of place for Brett, in my opinion. All right, guys, we need to convey the fact that Undertaker's a badass. So here's our two choices: either the Monster Mash or Mac the Knife. Exactly! It's that! You wouldn't do that! I mean, and the big matter is worse. It's like, what respect were Vince and Bartlett showing for, for Brett during this match? Like, here's Savage basically trying to steer them in. Guys, this is our champion. Let's let's talk about how great our champion is. And they're busy discussing jelly donuts and space abductions and all that happy horse crap. So it's like, the, the whole point was undermined. We, we, we get this very cringeworthy spot where Brett crotches Fatu on the top rope. Now, usually, when you do the top rope crotch spot, easier dingleberries down into into the landing so that it, so that you don't um, you don't accidentally circumcise yourself. Right. Fatu cannonballs down on the turnbuckle, <laughs> and I mean, and he and he's a three hundred plus pound man to begin with, so he has all that weight pushing his twig and berries down onto this apparatus, and it it, it has to be. Uh, much respect for Fatu. Yeah. I'm, I don't know what was worse, that or Jeff Hardy Swanton bombing the apron at SummerSlam. I would probably say at a push, Jeff Swanton, but still, this didn't look nice. No, no, it did not. In fact, he was wearing his head shrinker tights and not his Rikishi outfit because you probably, you probably have to uh, replace that turnbuckle at some point. He did not brace himself in the slightest. So Fatu and Samu do the twin magic spot, even though they're not twins. Any wrestlers that wear roughly the same gear, look out for twin magic. That's, that's my favorite. It is my favorite. I want to. There are two lads, and I want to give them. I want to give them some mad props, uh, and they're currently working uh, the wrestling scene. Look out for um, Joe and Benji Rage, the brothers of Rage. One mm-hmm. is short, the other is very tall and very big, but they both look vaguely similar, like in the face, but like. And the we, you know, the 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 playful part of the fact, the playful part of the character is that big Joe, big brother Joe is actually the little one, the, the younger one, and little Joe is the older one, and you spin it like that. And I'm begging, I'm begging for some twin magic in one of their matches at some point. If you are listening, either Benji or Joe, please some twin magic in one of your matches would not go amiss. And if you could, if you know who I'm talking about. And you're visualizing it now. You are doing all the lols. And if you're not visualizing it, look up Wrestling Brothers of Rage and and you will do all the lols. I promise. 
<laughs> love twin magic. It's it's funnier when they're not twins. Do you recall when the killer bees had the masks and they had mask confusion? <laughs> yes, because okay. that was that I was the to... original twin magic. Right. I have to share this anecdote. There's um for those of you who, who are a little bit younger might not know, the killer bees Brian Blair and Jim Brunzel. Uh, did not look alike, although they wore similar outfits. Blair had frizzier hair and a mustache. Brunzel had had kind of a neater hairstyle and no facial hair at all. But at one point in their career, they would have these masks they would put on, these yellow and black striped bee print masks. And they would put them on in the match as a way of yeah, manipulating their opponents, making them, you know, just like, you know, the whole swap in, swap out twin magic deal. But because they're wearing masks, you can't tell what they're wearing, and they called it mask confusion. Well, a photo surfaced a while ago. Had to be a house show. I guess one of the bees was injured, so it was Brian Blair teaming with SD Jones, and they both had the <laughs> yes. <laughs> and SD Jones had on the bee outfit with the mask. <laughs> and I was like, like, like please best. tell me, please tell me they did twin magic. Oh and the referee was oblivious. Days, that is the best. Because I would, I would kill to hear Vince go. How can you tell them apart? Oh, I'd, 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 I'd sell tongue. that to the moon and back. Oh my god, I love wrestling. When wrestling is inherently utter nonsense, I love it even more. And anyone who could do the twin magic spot in a way that is where any moron can tell that they're not the same person, no matter how hard they try. I want to see it. Yes, you absolutely have to do it. And if you're listening to this going, yeah, well, there's no point because they're not twins, then stop listening because you're, you're, you're a lost soul and stop doing wrestling because you're missing all the fun. I lost my soul watching this show. Oh, I, I died a little bit because probably the greatest match on this show was the opening match. And there is no uh, way on earth it should have been the opening match. Well, that was kind of the formula back then. You get the big match out of the way, and then it just peters off from there. It's kind of like Saturday Night's main event in that way. That was just how they yeah, did it back it in the just, 90s. It, just, it really felt there was a there was a dearth. Like, why can't you? Ha- why you know? Why not there be a high point and then it pick up again? It never seemed to pick up again. No, it didn't. But but the ending of this match was fantastic because after Sammy and Fatu pull off Shrinker Magic, they swap back out. And Brett makes the big comeback in the end. He knocks Fatu into Samu, who ends up doing the Samoan hangman spot in the ropes, aka the Foley ear killer. So Samu's hanging there, stuck between the ropes. Asa's up on the apron. Brett drop kicks poor Asa off. I'll be like 50 years old at this point, and he takes this unsafe-looking bump to the floor. I mean, he he just plummets. <laughs> There's no bracing himself. Isn't he Mr. Fuji slow motion fall? Alpha bumps like he's still in his 20s. He does hit the ground with a thud by the looks of it. Then Brett takes Fatu, puts him in the sharpshooter, and Fatu, I guess in kayfabe, mutters out something that sounds like, I submit or I give up, and that's that. Yeah, because they didn't really tap out at this point. The the concept of tapping out didn't really arrive in the WWF until the late 90s, did it, with Ken Shamrock? Right, Shamrock's the one that got that going. Yeah. But did you see... Did you see Hebner at the end of this match? I did. Uh, I saw him. I saw him lay the belt over what looked like Brett's face. No, no, no. Before that, when Brett had Fatu in the sharpshooter, Hebner tried to count a pinfall. Oh, right. 
<laughs> Earl's had a long night. <laughs> Earl probably forgot where he was. Apparently, the suckitude from the commentary table wafted its way toward the ring and caused Earl having to lose about 60 IQ points in the span of 15 minutes. He surprised Earl to go cross-eyed and crap his pants. If had it gone five more minutes, he might have. But it didn't really get me excited for WrestleMania at all. No, it, because... it gave me nothing for WrestleMania. It, it, it gave me the potential of Fatu versus Yokozuna, which, I mean, my perverted interest would quite like to have seen. But it didn't get me excited for WrestleMania at all. It got me excited for high energy doing the Twin Magic spot. But that's only because we've just had this long conversation about it now. Like this didn't really this 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 there's a there's lots you could have added to this to have made it more palatable towards WrestleMania. That what you said at the beginning, Justin, about how Brett was fighting Bam Bam on, on the house show circuit to kind of prep for bigger guys. Had they got that across in the commentary, you could have sort of seized the opportunity to, to pose Fatu as a tangible threat. You could have even said, oh my God, the head shrinkers, one of, one of them wants to become WWF champion, you know, and they want to face Yokozuna. Like you could have really, no, but you were too busy making sure that we all knew that Elvis Presley was ringside. Played by Rob Bartlett. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. That was great. Well, I mean, and they didn't even tell us who Elvis was going to be facing at WrestleMania. That's because he wasn't facing anybody at all. You know, this all-important event that we're trying to sell pay-per-views for and trying to and, and trying to sell the final batch of tickets for. You know, that thing. Uh, talking of uh, WrestleMania, but... uh, we go to a Mean Gene Oakland update on WrestleMania. I got to say something here. Because Ico Pro is the sponsor of WrestleMania. It's the sponsor of yeah. everything. Yes, it was the WWE Network of its day. Although I can't watch old episodes of primetime on tablets. <laughs> oh my God, I got, or doing anything on supplements. No, no, especially not operating heavy machinery. Now, for those of you who've watched Raw to this point, you know that IcoPro slogan is, you've got to want it. Well, Mean Gene debuts a new possible slogan here, or, or rather a campaign to get you interested in IcoPro. And what I'm about to say here is a precise quote. He says, IcoPro, for athletes and fitness enthusiasts who want to push their bodies beyond their genetic potential. What does that sound like to you? That sounds like steroids. Wah, 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 your... wah, wah, wah. <laughs> if you've gone as far as your genetics could possibly take you because your father and mother were not big, strong people. So therefore, you kind of hit a ceiling. But if you want to go past that ceiling go past beyond what is considered normal and possibly even safe, then IcoPro, my friend, is what you need. If only we'd known, if only we'd looked a little bit closer, we would have seen, Justin, <laughs> that if you rearrange the letters of IcoPro, <laughs> it spells steroids. I never thought of it that way. It's, it does. Don't look too closely, <laughs> but it does. <laughs> It spells steroids. I have to reiterate what I asked earlier. How is this not like Exhibit G at the trial? <laughs> I mean, it's very bombastic of Vince McMahon, who is in the middle of a drugs trial, to have everything sponsored by a performance enhancer. Vince is so goddamn lucky that he went up against Lionel Hutz. Gosh, isn't it? He is the luckiest man because he's presenting. Here's my product of muscly men sponsored by a supplement product to make them bigger muscly men. No, no steroids here. That's like it's it's like you are 
it's like running a dog fighting ring. And you go to the house and they've got posters on the wall of really angry dogs. And you open the <clears throat> cupboard and it is full of special dog food called Pedigree Gruff for angry dogs only. It's that. <laughs> there's, no, there's no true tangible evidence that dog fighting is going on. But if you looked around, you'd be pretty convinced that there's dog fighting going on. The 90s was a funny old time. What I do like in this one um, is, is, well, there's there's two things I like about this Mean Gene package. Um, one, why why does Mean Gene look cross-eyed? Like like he looks like, not, he just, he looks wonky-eyed in this. Did you not think? I think, I think he just had a facelift around this time. Oh, really? Because, he used to have very narrow eyes, or actually a very thin, um, I want to say, not eye sockets. What's the word I'm looking for? Eyelids? Well, maybe I, it could be lids, but he, it wasn't like he was squinting, like, like he was staring into the sun. But now his eyes are all like googly eye cartoon character eyes. Yeah, he comparison. looks really odd. Like his eyes look very googly. I mean, King Kong Bunny kind of had the same thing back in the 80s. He was, he was very narrow eyes and... By the time he came back in 94, all of a sudden he looked like he was trying to squeeze out a massive turd. Minus the bulging veins in his neck. The other thing I liked about this was they are now, with these pre-done packages, trying to make them seem live. Yes, because we have Mean Gene interacting with Randy Savage. But before we get to that, and we and we will get to that because something disturbing happened there. Let's just run down the card of the... They've given us so far, it's Mega Maniacs versus Money, Inc. for the tag titles, Undertaker, Giant Gonzalez, Tatanka and Sean for the Intercontinental Belt, Perfect and Luger, and Bret and Yoko for the world title. On paper, that's not the worst card I've ever seen. No, there have been worse. It looks fine. For 93, that's that's not bad. But let's just say that on, on paper and in practice are two very different things. We get to the Mean Gene throwing it back to the commentary desk and interacting with Randy Savage. And he makes an awkward Joey Buttafuoco reference. That's how you know this is 1993. I don't want to get into the whole Joey Buttafuoco, Amy Fisher story again. No, cause we, because we talked about it a lot. Because the juxtaposition of, the, of Amy Fisher shooting Joey Buttafuoco's wife matched up with... Uh, with Doink the Clown, Damien Demento, Bastion Booger, and so, so on, so forth. It's the strangest juxtaposition in the world. It's like, who are you marketing to? Uh, it is so odd how they continue to reference this, frankly, diabolical Joey Botafuco character. <laughs> Joey Buttafuoco's only tangible link to wrestling is came nine years later when he fought China on celebrity boxing, and that was a disaster. And if Rob Bartlett didn't do commentary, then then the trick has been sorely missed. Rob Bartlett would have, would have actually been preferable to, I think it was Ray Mancini on commentary that night, just yelling sound effects the entire time. If you ever wanted to see Screech from Saved by the Bell get into a fight with a Horsejack from uh, Welcome Back, Cotter, that was your show. It may have been the uncleanest thing I've ever seen on network TV. Next match was Doink the Clown versus Coco Beware. Yay! I'm happy to see Doink in 93. What about you? Actually, this was, the, you know, Doink the Clown in the 90s was a particular favorite of mine. 
um, big big fan of, of the, what the character was doing. But before we even got to Doink, we cut to um, the beach live from the beach, definitely live from the beach with Crush. Well, if it's Hawaii, it's still light out at that time of day. Exactly. And uh, we had a conversation with Crush, which which did just feel like Crush. They, they directed Crush as, all right, leave some pauses where Vince is going to say that the weather is bad. Oh, that's too bad. Okay, and he's going to ask you this. He's going to ask you that. Um, this was ace. And then but the most, the most redundant question Vince McMahon could ever ask Crush. So Crush, he says to Crush, you've got a match against Doink the Clown at WrestleMania, or can we have yes. a prediction for who's going to win between you and Doink the Clown? As if Crush was going to go, ah, well, I think Doink's got it, to be honest. Uh, I think Doink's <laughs> going to beat me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it should be a fine technical battle. I, I, I've been scouting his uh, technique, and I've been... Uh... I'm thinking it'll be a, a seesaw battle, but I think I'll pull it out in the end. No. He picks up a conveniently placed coconut on the Hawaiian beach and proceeds to crush it in his hands. The least wet coconut ever has clearly been hollowed out. <laughs> no, he is crushing. He are strong. He are a strong boy. I, I will say it was much more impressive when Kali crushed the produce years later. Oh, Kali oh, the- is, is, is the king of, of crushing produce. That goes without saying. He was a four and a half star produce crusher and a negative two star wrestler. <laughs> That's going to be on his tombstone, that is. He knew what he was good at. So it's Doink versus Coco Beware. And I am pleased that Coco has the bird, bird, bird music. It is his old school Birdman's in town music. I thought it was gone forever. Every time I hear it, I have to yell the band Elwood, the band. <laughs> it does seem sad seeing the hearing the Birdman music, but without the Birdman. Yes, there is no bird. It's just Coco in his uh, melon-colored jacket and lime green pants, which that's a look. It is very much a very 90s look. At least when I hit up the candy aisle at the corner store. But he didn't really get much time to truly say, Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. 
Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Celebrate his, uh, his entrance, because Doink jumped him. Yeah, indeed, he jumped him, and I should point out real fast, this is actually Cookler's last match of his original run on TV. Oh, really? He has some oh. house show matches after this for like a month. Yes, he does have some house show matches coming up, but this is his last televised match as Cooker Beware. Or I should say, from his main like main seven-year run to this point. So this is kind of kind of an inauspicious way to go out for Coco. And I should point out, I, I, I did my research here, Halifax, Nova Scotia, two weeks after this show, Coco worked a house show match teaming with Jumpin' Jim Brunzel against the Head Shrinkers. I think he actually had a few weeks after that, and then he went he went to like USWA full-time for a while. I want to say he faced like Skinner in his last match. I could be wrong, though. Incidentally, speaking of Skinner, no, no update on last week from him. We can just... I think unless something's said by the end of the show, we just have to assume... That Skinner beat The Undertaker. I've forgotten about that till just now. We never saw the end of that match, did we? At no point do they mention it. We, we don't know how how the Taker-Skinner match from last week ended. Wow, they, they, just said, they just said, screw it. Doesn't matter. They didn't tell us. They didn't have carried on, at least not till this point. I'm going to assume that Skinner won. It's probably a safe bet. That's probably why they didn't air it, because they just didn't want to embarrass The Undertaker. Um, I'm gonna pull that up real fast and just and just blow the illusion because now I got to know how did that <laughs> match end? What actually happened? Is whilst you do whilst you do that, um, I have a confession to make about the uh, about this particular show tonight. It was okay. watching this episode of Raw that I actually learned something that I'd never known. Like I've been okay. alive for thirty-four years, and I I learned where the phrase "gopher" comes from. Yes. Go but for this. Go for that. Go for the... I mm-hmm. I genuinely, hand on my heart, never knew that was the origin of the phrase. He's a gopher. She's a gopher. No idea. <laughs> Just went. Oh must be an animal thing and then never thought about it again never thought any deeper until tonight where they went he's a gopher go for this go for that oh my days does make sense doesn't it my oh it makes one thousand percent sense and i feel so daft that it never crossed my mind to think any deeper onto the phrase oh they're a gopher Wasn't there a Doink Coco match going on here? I was... Do you know what? We, like have, we, have become, we have become Bartlett, Vince, and Savage. There's a match going on, and we're not talking about it. You uh, take that back. Um, you're Bartlett, Blates. Um, no. Yeah, blatantly are, mate. Uh, Doink, just batter Coco. 
just he's working his legs for the entire match. Yeah. It's just 90 seconds of him working Coco's leg, putting him in, in an STF, a half crab, before finishing with the stump puller, which is a great underrated submission move. Because it just yeah. looks painful. I've never seen anything... I didn't say anything like that until Doink did it. Like, you just sit on the guy's face while he's sat up and just pull his leg off. Yeah, it stretches your hamstring out, your quadriceps. It puts a lot of pressure on the back of your neck. It, it's, it looks brutal, but it's so simple. So after the match, Bartlett interviews Doink. And it's at this point that Bartlett makes a sword swallower joke about Priscilla Presley. Which you can read between the lines. It says that's how that's how Elvis met Priscilla when she was sword swallowing at the circus. Oh, rude! PG show. Well, Dwink has a has a package for Elvis Presley, a gift a gift wrap box, and it ends up one of the oldest comedy tropes in the world. He opens it up and he pie faces Rob Bartlett, and Bartlett seems to enjoy it. He does, doesn't he? He gets a bit of a he gets a bit of a weird a weird kinky kick out of this. And Doink becomes the biggest baby face on the roster. That was a mistake. Yeah, I I I don't know what they were expecting. Whether this was because because sometimes I do question like why Vince books certain things like this. Because at the moment you're you're presenting Doink the Clown as the most evil clown that ever clowned. Yet mm-hmm. you have in Pie Face one of the, the the most annoying commentators doing his most annoying thing. Like, what were you expect? This it's and and we we look to 2018 where we see privileged Charlotte Flair who uh-huh. won her way into a triple threat match and then beat super popular Becky Lynch to become the champion. And then Becky Lynch turning on her, resulting in rousing cheers. And everyone's like, oh, that, how, we weren't expecting that. Like, this is the same thing. Like, are you hoping that this is going to give Doink more heat? Or is this just to annoy Bartlett? Because it's certainly not going to make him any, any more despised. It's going to make him adored. I now want to see Becky Lynch dressed as a clown. I do as well, but that's like a weird... Uh, yeah, that... thing that I'm into that's that's not related to wrestling. Yeah, that's more of the Harley Quinn uh, uh, realm. Which which um, oh, I didn't sure about it. it being Harley Quinn joke. Oh my days, that's made it even worse. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go for a long lie down after this. But anyway, <laughs> kind of a Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy. Hybrid. Oh, stop it! <laughs> stop it, Justin. I'm trying to make Becky hateable. Oh, you're not, mate. <laughs> make like, her hateable. <laughs> that's quite debatable. <laughs> what would Becky Lynch have to do in, in order to draw your ire? Oh, she could draw my ire anytime she likes. She really could. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Yeah, I'm <laughs> big, big, big fan of 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 both the wrestler Becky Lynch and uh, yeah. do fancy her quite a bit. Just putting that out there. I know I don't stand a chance. It's all fine. I'm not gonna. I'm not pining. It's fine. Just think she's a great wrestler with good bants. And attractive lady. Thank you very much. Well said. Well Thank said. Thank you very much. <laughs> and now, and, and, and if she wants to dress as Harlequin for a Halloween themed Survivor Series, that's fine. 
or even if it's July or if it's January. Any it, it month matter of the year is smashing. Absolutely smashing. It never goes out of style. Oh, we're proper lads, aren't we, Justin? Here we are talking about <laughs> birds. Oh, tell you what. she get my eye in a minute. But she's a tremendous in-ring performer who works very, very hard and is great at her job. Absolutely. That goes without saying. But still, <laughs> right, moving on. <laughs> we had the action figure ad with the departed British Bulldog. Well, when I say the part of that, I mean no longer working there. I was going to say, he's not dead as well, is he? Like, is everybody in this action figure advert dying? <laughs> is it? Is it a bit like the ring in the sense that <laughs> anybody that's in it is going to die? I had that fear watching this episode. I'd be dead within a week of watching the show. It's... <laughs> <laughs> Rob Bartlett dressed as Elvis covered in pie, crawling Climbing through the screen. Well. Climbing out of a well. <laughs> That's where he's been. He's been in a well. Excellent. <laughs> the best place for him. He said his name was Timmy O'Toole. <laughs> ah, that's a nice reference. Uh, <laughs> we can't make Simpsons references on a wrestling show because that's Matthew Gregg's job. Uh, yeah, you're still in my thunder. Sorry, sorry, Matthew. <laughs> Didn't mean to yes. thunder. I know Matthew invented everything. He is the Simpsons of wrestling. I am the Simpsons of wrestling. See, there he is. I'm sorry, Matthew. Uh, 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 it's quite all right. I don't mind you do that. That's pretty good. <laughs> oh, I don't uh, mind you doing that, like. <laughs> hello there, Tom. How are you today? Hello, hello. How are you? Dogs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeing him tomorrow. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to tell him that we talk about him on the podcast. Oh yeah. All you have to do is just non-threatening dynamite kid. That's Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> non-threatening Geordie dynamite kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, you've nailed it. Oh, you know. <laughs> I cr- cracked the code. <laughs> oh, I've got a headache now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I've got a headache. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I love you, Matthew. You know that. I don't know why that tickled me so much. Oh, gosh. Non-threatening Geordie Dynamite kid is Matthew. Again, love you to death, mate. Um, yes, everybody loves you, Matthew. Um, we'll get it back with uh, something that wasn't funny. That being this Money Incorporated interview. Oh, okay, okay. Slap bang to reality. Um, yes. The crowd hate IRS. Erwin. Erwin. Like, he doesn't get a look in. So it's it's Vince in the ring, and he welcomes Ted DiBiase and IRS to the ring. Ted DiBiase mm-hmm. talks about something in the news, and this is where yeah. we go to our semi-regular segment, Justin explains 90s American pop culture. I had to look this up. Okay. Because this is something that would have gone way over my head in 1993. Uh, some top executive from American Express, uh, the credit card company, was, I guess, forced out. And they gave him this rather genuine retirement package just to go away and not, not compete against them. It's like $730,000 a year. A big bonus on top of all that to just stay the hell away. Basically, he was set for life with this kind of money as long as he wasn't like a compulsive gambler or anything. 
and he used that to make a point about you know just this is DiBiase talking, just talking about just how paltry that is compared to basically what he has, and it's just it's so it's so inside compared to what wrestling fans would be into, because it's like if you're watching the show, why the hell would you care about that? It's so it true. For, it makes sense for why DiBiase would care about it as a millionaire rich tycoon, but it's he he goes on about it for so long that you just it's like all right we get it he's you, know, you you find it to be a paltry sum of money even though it's even though to us it'd be a lot of money we get it you're rich and you're greedily rich got it thanks and I love Ted DiBiase but that was just that was their attempt at being topical and it was they tried too hard as as they usually do yeah they they are trying desperately in this era to shoehorn in pop culture stuff. And they're at their best when they keep it on point, which is talking about Hogan and Beefcake. That was definitely someone... That was definitely Bruce Pritchard reading New York Times that morning. Saying, hey, isn't Ted on tonight? Well, here's something about a rich guy. Maybe we could shoot the shoehorn this in somehow. Great. Put it in there, pal. Stick it in there. And then we'll make some Joey Bonafuco jokes. What a maneuver! That's Vince in the 90s. It'd be cool if they got it backwards and had Savage talking about the American Express guy and D.B. Austin talking about Joey Buttafuoco. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it, McMahon. A- Amy Fisher shot his wife right in the face at the front door <laughs> of her house. What <laughs> like, a maneuver! And we probably should have reversed those. Gosh. But, um... Uh, so this is where the gopher thing comes in. This is where the gopher thing comes in. Yes, this is where they talk about gophers. And I was like... You got your first Jimmy Hart as one. So that's it. It wasn't... I apologize that it wasn't on the commentary where they talked about gophers. It was Ted and IRS who referred to Jimmy Hart as a gopher. And this is where my brain, at 34 years old, went, Wow! That's why it's a gopher! It's funny what you learn. That's... Honestly, blew my mind. Blew my mind. And I immediately messaged a friend of mine and said, I've just found out what gopher means. And I told them that he just wrote back after about an hour, you're adorable, but I'm at work. (laughs) This is the problem when you work, when you, when you work afternoon shifts and you've got the whole morning to yourself is that sometimes you'll just want to text your friend and with something, you know, and more often than not, they're in the middle of work. You want to share your acquired knowledge with I people. I want to tell them that I've just discovered that I'll Make a Man Out of You was sang by Donny Osmond. <laughs> it was like me when I realized one day, hey, wait a minute. When Sean Waltman was named six, one plus two plus three equals six. I know, right? Because he, he was the one, two, three kid. And I was like about 30 at that point. I remember feeling really proud of myself that I figured that out. And, and X-Pac <laughs> is that because six... Was the fourth member of DX, and six plus four is ten. Roman numerals for ten is X. See, I know that, but I have a hard time changing a tire. <laughs> I know. Aren't brains stupid? Like they yes. are ridiculous. Like that is that I could. I I forget when people's birthdays are. But the other day, I was able to, off the top of my head, sing the theme tune from the Muskehounds and Dog Tanyon. <laughs> exactly. It's like, I can't remember why I walked into this room, but I can sing the Rougeau Brothers theme song if you ask me to. 
from Montreal to Memphis, parlez-vous français. Tell all the girls the Rouge is on their way. Anyway. God, um, God bless so, the human condition. There's no deft way to segue back into Erwin Archeister and Ted DiBiase talking about a, a, a rich guy losing his job. But we get to the meat of this segment where DiBiase and the IRS show the new briefcase, or rather the beefcase. The beefcase. Which sounds like slang for something that I don't want to know what it is. <laughs> something like an inside joke of some sort. So, but even though it's called the beefcase, the weapon that was used to shatter the face of Brutus Beefcake, it now has a crudely taped photo of Hulk Hogan on one side of it. Now, I quite like this. It's like the, the next victim of the beefcase. We're going to stick a picture of their face on there. See, what I took from this is when Hulk Hogan stole the briefcase at WrestleMania 9, he used it to cash in on Yokozuna at the end of the night, and he was the original Money in the Bank winner. <gasps> oh, my God. Maybe that's what it was. Hulk Hogan is cashing in his money in the bank. First of all, picture, picture Hogan in the ladder match. Hogan won the first money in the bank. Yes. That's sensational. That's See, Hogan did it first. Hogan always did it first. Yes, and some of the things are some of the things were regrettable, but that, that's beside the point. <laughs> we have the Chubby Rosati sisters carrying signs because it amuses somebody. Perhaps somebody sits sitting ringside in the tuxedo. Yeah, that's uh, that's a weird gag, that is. Yes, and I was disheartened to realize that Rob Bartlett was still there. I figured he'd doink pie face would write him out for the rest of the show. Yeah, you just you know, heard so... him go, oh, I like, they got a lot of meat on the bone. He go, oh, good, Rob's still here. Excellent. Because uh, that's, that's what you want, is Rob Bartlett to continue onward. Lex Luger versus P.J. Walker. And P.J. Walker is a star of future renown. Just incredible, making his Monday Night Raw debut. He's not just the coolest. He's not just the best. He's P.J. Walker. <laughs> he's retired now, I do believe. He comes out of retirement every so often. Yeah, he appears once in a while on independent shows. Uh, he's kind of been in the news recently for some... Uh, he he hasn't had his best times recently. Let's, let's put it that way. I hope all is well with him because, as just incredible, I always thought he was, he was a pretty gifted performer. And of course, me being a big ECW fan, I got I came to appreciate him more so there than he was out of Montoya. Yes, because he was out of Montoya as well. For those of you who don't know, he wore the jockstrap over his face. I think they heard he was of Portuguese descent, so they figured, hey, maybe we could do something with this. So instead of making him like a soccer player, like like say a someone from Portugal or maybe even Brazil, they gave him the uh, they gave him the jockstrap mask. So Luger's here, and Bartlett and tells us why he likes Lex Luger in his elvish voice. It's, he makes his boobers dance. Oh, God, he kept going on about this. This was really odd. You ever have those days? Now, now, Tom, I know you're a very optimistic person. You know, you're very proud of who you are and what you like, and you ever have those days where you're just... Ashamed to be a wrestling fan. <laughs> Normally, when my dad or my good lady is watching wrestling with me, I'll have moments like that. Because um, there are some things that happen in wrestling where they go, why is that happening? And I just have to go, do you know what? I, I don't know. I, I cannot explain that. 
it's sometimes wrestling is a bit like that that one mate that you've got that sometimes gets a bit drunk and comes around your house and Mm -hmm. you have to awkwardly explain to your parents that it's not normally this bad normally it's all right but tonight (laughs) he's pretty bad um i know last time you saw him he was pretty bad as well but he has been good in the meantime um but you just keep catching him when he's bad and most of the time, whenever Rob Bartlett's on telly, it is one of those occasions, unfortunately. Fast anecdote here. I'll make this as fast as possible. Do you remember the night that Vince tried to make Hornswoggle join the Kiss My Ass Club? Yes, I do. Was this okay. something that you you watched with non-wrestling people by any chance? None. Well, not exactly. I was watching it with wrestling people, my brother and a friend of ours, who's a big wrestling fan. Bruce were like, oh, that's going to be stupid, but, you know, we're all wrestling fans. We'll, we'll enjoy this for even if it's perverse enjoyment. That was the same night as the Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show, which was airing on a different channel other than the USA. And I, meant, I mentioned on an earlier podcast, my parents enjoy, enjoy watching the dog show. They're very into that sort of thing. And I realized, I told my brother, what if they put USA on by mistake and see Vince McMahon and a leprechaun engaging in some bizarre anal smooching ritual. And like, what are they going to think that we're into? Oh, jeez. And please tell me that happened. Did they actually put it on? Well, they never mentioned it to me, but I'm, so I'm hoping. I'm hoping that they got the channel right on the first try and that never came up. But my parents were never into the whole wrestling thing, although my dad was kind enough to take me to SummerSlam 90 as a kid. But he never got it. He, it was never his thing. And he would sometimes roll his eyes at me if he saw me watching it and realize how stupid it looked on the screen. I remember my mom watching. She came up to what, see what I was doing in my room. I was watching Raw in my room. And she came up as the Dudley boys were putting Mae Young through a table. <laughs> Good timing. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I can see you're busy. No, it's fine. Just watching the wrestling. It's very hard. To explain to it's what's what what's wonderful is and i'm very proud of this is that my dad uh would always used to say that you'll never make a career about talking about yourself and wrestling and i'm very proud to say that i'm doing both because <laughs> it's now because now obviously my dad and i do like wrestling commentary stuff like that i love showing it to my dad and my dad's mm-hmm. like, I don't know how you've done it, but you have managed to make a career talking about yourself and wrestling. Like, I mean, fair play to you. Well, it's good that he acknowledges that at least. Oh, you know, absolutely. It's, it's uh, and me writing about it. I mean, I know my parents are, I guess they're proud of me. Although my book, that book that James Dixon and I wrote has been on the same spot on the shelf for, I think, the last two years. You mean the one that, that you personal... mainly wrote and James Dixon just helped with, you told me. When we were switched off the other day, I said, "I said no such you thing." You said that James Dixon based James Dixon Lex Luger versus PJ in and you wrote the whole thing. Lex Luger versus a pre-just James incredible Dixon PJ Walker. Probably here. put a sentence in the back. Luger was still the narcissist at this point. <laughs> he was indeed still the narcissist, uh, or barely nar- barely out of narcissus, because they were they were sold on calling him narcissus for quite a while. And then they realized, hey, that's Lex Luger, and people know that. So how about we just call him Lex Luger and add a the nickname to it? 
I mean, everybody gets on to WCW, and it's not exactly the same caliber, but it's close. Like, people get on to the guys at WCW for wanting to change Ric Flair into Spartacus. Mm-hmm. But at least they didn't do it. But for a couple of weeks, they did have Lex Luger and called him Narcissus. Vince plugs a TV show called The Matrix, which is not what you think. No, this was a TV show, wasn't it? Uh, not, not the films. Originally, I thought, can't be The Matrix, because it's not out for ages. Then it was a TV show uh, called The Matrix, starring Nick Mancuso. Yes, I'm Googling this now. It was a Canadian production that ran in 1993 from March through July. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know who one of the stars of the show was? Go Not on. Nick Mancuso, but, the, but the, Carrie Ann Moss. Really? Is it? It says here on Wikipedia. As in from in from the Matrix. Yes. That's it weird. On, it says here on Wikipedia. In 1999, Carrie Ann Moss became popular for her appearance in the film Matrix, which had no relationship to the television series apart from its title and Moss's involvement. As a result, however, Matrix was rebroadcast in Canada because of her being in the movie. See, I learned something today. I genuinely, because I looked it up, I genuinely like the sound of the TV series The Matrix. The whole idea of a hitman that's killed and then comes back to help the living. That is kind of tangible, yes. But it's a bit like, bit like a more violent quantum leap. And I'm not sure Scott Bakula could have played that role. No, he was too busy being Scott Bakula. Wait, being... Nick Mancuso's name was... His name on the show was Stephen Matrix. Being st- that was his name. That was his name. That's amazing. It'd be, like, it'd be like on the old Batman show if Batman's real name was like Steve Batman. <laughs> this is Steve Batman. <laughs> Steve Batman. Steve Batman. <laughs> I always wish that superheroes' surnames were their superhero names, like <laughs> Iron Man, starring Tony Iron Man. Yeah. As his alter ego, Iron Man. We'll get the bastard Gary Riddler. Oh, I wonder if I'll ever find out the identity of Spider-Man. What do you think, Peter (laughs) Spider-Man? Oh, I don't know who he is either. Just got to pop out of the office for a bit. Anthony Penguin. (laughs) I would be here on on that doing this. Tell me that wouldn't be amazing. It's more amazing than Bobby Heenan's phone call during this match. Yeah, Bobby Heenan calls up. Uh, again, and, like, just the commentary just is just unnecessarily detracting. They did this whole spiel where Bobby was in Beverly Hills, California. It was, uh, which was quite cute. Um, and talking about whether or not he's going to keep his job or... It was a bit rambly. I wrote here in my notes, he has Priscilla, quote-unquote, talk on the phone to prove that Bartlett's not Elvis. And then I added... Oh, hell, they've ruined Heenan, too. Heenan, bless him, has been dragged down into this. I thought Heenan would be the voice of reason. This is like when you see Jason Lee in the Alvin and the Chipmunks movies. Like, it's not his fault the movie's bad, and you almost want to blame him for being in it and hold it against him, but it's not his fault. Luger KOs Walker with a forearm, gets the one pinky pin, and he does the spiel after the match where he holds Walker up in front of the mirror, and then he gives his rant on the human body while holding the, the barely conscious Just Incredible up. And I believe that Luger is the only man to ever use the word ectomorph on WWE TV. I love the use of the word ectomorph. Excellent use of the word ectomorph. An ectomorph, for those of you wondering, is a 
very frail looking skinny person which is what he was calling just incredible i loved it i loved it a lot um and as so lex luger's won he's battered pj walker and vince tells us that coming up is our main event featuring the steiner brothers rob and scott rob and scott steiner the third lesser lesser known steiner brother is in action next rob (laughs) steiner when the guy who writes your checks is getting your name wrong there is a problem especially if you're receiving the checks well well at least you're getting a check well no you're not because rob steiner's getting a check Rick's been handed a check for Rob Steiner. It's like, I can't do anything with this, Vince. Well, Vince wasn't quite wrong because his real name is Robert Rex Steiner. And Scott is Scott Rex Steiner. Ah, okay. Well, I I give him half a pass. So he called under shoot names by mistake. Although I wish he had called Lex Luger Larry at some point. That would have been kind of funny. Larry Fold. (laughs) Larry's in great shape. God. So it's so it's Robert Recksteiner and Scott Recksteiner facing Barry Hardy and Dwayne Gill. Oh my I God, re- Barry Hardy and Dwayne Gill! Can we just take a moment to drink in what we see on the screen, which is Barry Hardy, who I really wanted to be the Lost Hardy brother, just <laughs> like the lesser known out of shape. Oh, I'm Barry Hardy, like you've met me, brothers. I'm Barry, and Dwayne Gill, who would make a career out of being a a Goldberg cosplay with (laughs) mullets that glisten in the sun. Yes, uh, Gil has a skullet because he is... The most majestic skullet I've ever seen. He is quite shiny on top. It's beautiful. It's it's almost, it's poetic. It brought a tear to my eye to see that skullet hanging off the face of Dwayne Gil. Whereas Barry Hardy looks like every white NFL linebacker from the early 90s <laughs> combined combined with the dog from Monopoly. <laughs> That's amazing. That was, that was a look for the time. Gosh, it was a look for a time. My, da- <laughs> my days. So now you have two of the most prolific jobbers of the era. You know, two designated bumpers. And they're in there with the Steiner brothers. So what do you think is going to happen here? Uh, Dwayne Gill is just going to run roughshod through them both. Could be. Is that going to happen? Well, I watched this match, and I have to say, you're very close, except you've gotten everything wrong. Oh, darn it. All right, talk us through it. (sighs) Well... Savage managed to tie Vince's gaff into the match by saying that he's made the Snyder brothers so angry by getting Rick's name wrong that they're going to take it out on Hardy and Gill. See, that's professionalism. That makes perfect because, sense. Because Vince guessed that Gill and Hardy were going to get their asses handed to him. And he was he probably had no communication with the Snyders at all before the match even started and decided, well, they're just going to beat the crap out of them anyway, so I could probably just tie this in. It, it, it'll work. It'll work. And that's what happened. Rick picks up Dwayne, or Barry Hardy at one point as he's going for a dominator and just runs him chest first into the buckles at full velocity. And then he backdrops Dwayne Gill so high that he almost hits the chandelier at the top of the, top of the room. Scott tags in, and Scott 
I think Scott's the more sadistic one. I could be wrong. He goes for a pump handle power bomb, and has the biggest smile you ever did see on his face, because he's having fun. The only thing that makes Scott Snyder happier than sex with beautiful women is beating the crap out of a ragdoll opponent. He is very much, like you said, the most sinister out of the two. You know, and as as time would go on, we would see more of that. If you think Brock Lesnar's smile is creepy, Scott Snyder might put him to shame. Gosh, you have no, yeah. Scott was in his element here, but nice, nice crisp offense. Very aggressive. That pump handle was nice. The tiger power bomb was nice. Sadly, no Steiner screwdriver. Although I'm sure that would have killed one of them. But we got a we got a Frankenstein though. And a very the crowd asked for it. They got it, and it was beautiful. But the commentators ignore it because they're still doing the Elvis bit. The commentary has been so against the product tonight. It's been unreal. It, it really is hideous. and Hideous is the word. Can't... You're right. Hideous is the word. <laughs> so Steiners win, and Vince caps off their victory by noting that they watched WBF Mania on Saturday mornings. I'm sure this is not true. Is this... Yeah, and then we get, we get an advert for WWF Mania. And we're, with, we're, we're with, back at that amazing catchphrase, 100% caffeine-free. Yes, it, it is the stereotypical cartoonish WF out of the time that just makes you, it makes your teeth curl. But the problem is we are leaning back into that era of weird pop culture-iness because the, the, the slogan for Hell in a Cell this year is no filter, just hell. Which is just a few steps away from WWE Survivor Series picks or it didn't happen. <laughs> I'm, st- I'm still amazed that WWE Network slogan was not WWE Network and chill. Oh, I'm, I'm expecting there has to be some video of... There has to be like a GIF that they use. What would be the worst GIF they could use with the caption WWE Network and Chill. I think Vince, as I Triple H and Steph in the drive-through uh, chapel. I was going to say Bash and Booger doing his dance over his opponent's face before he sits on them. Oh, actually, yeah, that's pretty grim. That's pretty grim. <laughs> Anything involving oh Mark Henry and um the the lady that China hooked him up with. Sammy? Yes. A gif of Mark Henry and Sammy getting it on over WWE Network and chill. Sleep well. Uh, so, that's pretty much our show, except for Savage throwing popcorn on Bart Viss at the end. That's it. We At the end, we get the comeuppance of... No, we don't. We just get Randy Savage getting pretty fed up with Rob Bartlett and just lobbing popcorn at him. You've seen cold openings? This was a cold closing. It couldn't get much colder than this. But um, it was, do you know what? Like, it felt this show, if it was the other way around. So if we started with that Steiner squash, then had the Luger match, then had the DiBiase promo, then had Doink and uh, Coco, 
then had the WrestleMania wrap-up or WrestleMania preview, then had Bretton Fartu, this would have been a much better show, I do believe. I feel like, like this what, was the wrong way around. It's like what Robin Williams said about the Popeye movie. If you watch it backwards, it has a plot. <laughs> yes, it, that's true. This is the Popeye movie of Monday Night Raw. Backwards, it makes sense. You know, you could you, you could have potentially had a whole forty minutes to build that the the significance of a Bret Hart far too much, which of course you can do. Like you can you, you can do that in an hour easily if you're clever. Are you saying Tommaso that this is the strawberry fields of wrestling shows? I am Justin Gargano saying that it is indeed <laughs> that. <laughs> That's uh. I think this very much is. It, it, it's uh, there was some there was stuff to like in there, but and the the big issue for me this week has been the commentary. I don't know why they've had like they are doubling down on Rob Bartlett. I don't get it. Well, if you think this show is bad, oh god, wait, wait two weeks from now oh, is it for Rob Bartlett's commentary. Do not look up what it is. Nobody who's listening to this, nobody tweet Tom and tell him what this is. But the March 15th episode, because of circumstances beyond WWE's control, decided to, had to change the show around a little bit and decided to add a little extra gimmickry to it to try and be cute. And uh, it, it'll make you pine for Bart just Presley. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Well, before I go, I need to do a shout-out for, for John Eiley on Twitter, who has been listening to the podcast since day dot, and every every week I promise I give him a shout-out and I keep forgetting. So, hi, John. Thanks for listening. Thanks, mate. Uh, anybody you want to give a shout-out to? Otherwise, uh, it's just me, and that feels strange. I'll just give a shout-out to the wonderful people on Twitter last night, or actually, if you listen on Wednesday, I'll say Sunday night at SummerSlam, who retweeted all of my inanity through the evening. I got about 100 new followers on Sunday. I was very appreciative of oh, that. Nice thank you one. all. To, thank you all to the new followers I have, especially those of you who retweeted my side-by-side photo of Ronda Rousey's makeup job alongside Mac from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, dressed as Nightman. That was you? Yes. Wow, I saw that several times. <laughs> it's, uh, it's the first thing I thought of when I saw it. Fighter of the night, man. Well done. I didn't know that was you. I kept seeing that. I so wish you could amend tweets because five minutes after I sent that, I realized Alexa Bliss had to enter into WrestleMania where she, where she descended from the heavens, kind of like Charlie did when he was Dayman. I could have put all four photos in there. Oh. It, it was Dayman. Day man versus Nightman. Oh, no. oh, well. That's another story for another time. Presumably with Lars Sullivan as the troll. Amazing. But anyway, so that'll do it for this week. Uh, he is JRH Writing. I am Tom Campbell, at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Once again, he is at JRH Writing. And we are at Cultaholic. Join us! Exclamation mark and question mark. Love you, bye! Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health 
right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from.